0: there, we're on the air. It's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps, and the players bump, and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey
1: game. Right, welcome to Vegas Hockey Hotline from the Brian Blessing Studio in Las Vegas. Brought to you by Station Casinos and the STN app. Kristen Moose Johnson. I'm Dana Lane. Thanks for joining us. Can let's mix it up a little bit today. It's kind of this time of year where if we have a guest that wants to come on but the time isn't working for him, we, we mix it up a little bit. We put him into the hockey show, and we will do that in the second half as we'll talk about uh, Notre Dame and talk about where they're going to go as far as the conference is concerned. And Patrick Engel, has been on the show before, he'll come on and uh, talk to us about the Irish. And, of course, that does – Effect, I don't know. I guess they're not going to leave the the Big Ten in in hockey, so I don't know how we can't make that correlation between hockey and in this move. But it (laughs) it is something we need to talk about. uh, Talk about, and of course, from a Las Vegas standpoint, Notre Dame will have a little bit of a relationship with Las Vegas this upcoming year. Of course, UNLV is going to play in South Bend, and then uh, Notre Dame will be here to play in the uh, annual Shamrock Series against. BYU at Allegiant Stadium. That's exciting. I'm very excited.
2: About That's that. exciting. Yeah, man. UNLV is about to get smacked. <laughs> I have I have so little faith. I, it sucks because it's like I'm a huge UNOV fan because I'm going there for college and I want to see my football team do good. But like, I have we might be able to we might go to a bowl game this year maybe. If we can win some games, if we can finish out some games, we might be able to take the cannon back this year. That's about all my hopes are up for, though. Just if we can win the cannon, that's it. Besides that, I think Notre Dame's going to smack us. I don't even know. When I saw Notre Dame on the schedule, I was like, why? Just why?
1: Why? So they get paid.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're getting that's paid. Why. That's that's why they're getting paid. But like, in my mind, I'm just like, dude, you're going to get 50
1: uh, this is not. It's
2: not even going to be close. It's just going to get money. It's just money.
1: Not about getting a W. It's just money. That's so, it's so well. Don't, I mean, don't act like it. colleges don't do that. I mean, that's, oh no, they do. They that's do. That's why.
2: Yeah, one hundred percent. That's what it is. But like, my mind just goes to you know, as a UNOV student, it'd be nice to see us win once instead of going. Let's go play the Notre Dame. You know, maybe get us, get us somebody else that no, we might what, have a better chance at. It's a good, high level school.
1: What will be nice, is if we stop this mentality of hoping that we cover games. That, that's that's what would be nice. And again, I don't want to go down this path of apathy. We are no longer a town as a whole that accepts anything but winning. I, I, and it's hard to say that. I, and, I, and that's why I jump from word to word, because I'm still fishing for the right one at the end.
2: But that's really where we need to be. I mean, I guess winning is the word. Winning is the word because look, man. I I'm tired. I w- I would rather go watch a Raiders game than go watch a Rebels game. I'd rather go watch I'd rather go watch the Aces play than go watch the UNLV football team play because of the pure fact that I know there's a good chance I'm going to see someone win. That's from the city. I want to see someone win. Bring me a good winning football team, and then we'll talk about me going to UNLV football games. Oh also go cuz I have to go cover them. But like I'm going to sit there the whole time going I just wasted like about 3 hours of my life here. Just why? Why are we so bad? Why that's, are we so bad? It's so like it's so frustrating. And the reason what I should have said
1: is it's not winning because it's not that plain and simple. What it is is moving towards winning. I think that that is a more accurate way that I feel uh, about any team in this in this city, and I don't think there's a team in the city right now that you can say either the future isn't bright or they're moving towards winning. And I know there's really not a lot of steps backwards for UNLV football, and and I I like to think that they're moving towards winning.
2: I like to think on a so consistent too. Consistent basis because here's my thing, right? Last year there's about like eight games I remember that was like a three point game in the fourth quarter. Or we had the lead in the fourth quarter. It's about eight games last year. I remember watching. I was like, man, if we just didn't suck and we didn't, you know, have bad play calling in the fourth quarter, we would win these games. Because there's it like, it'll be like a third down. It's third down and eight, and you're running the ball. Stop running the ball. Throw the ball at third and eight. The team, like, I watched Utah State sit there. Getting ready to play this, like, this upcoming snap with third and eight. We're we're up by by three, I'm pretty sure. And to the forty yard line, and we run the ball. I saw a linebacker go like like look around, like what's going on. I saw a coach on their on their sideline go. I heard him from up in the press box scream, "Yes, run, run, run!" And then all of a sudden, the whole front seven crashed, and Charles Williams got one yard punt and then they got the lead what you can't do and you expect me to go and be like yeah UNOV football is going to do something next year come on you should have closed that game out that was a game you could have closed out easily what you can't do is lose at home
1: to Eastern Washington you
2: can't do that at all
1: for the opener what you can't do <laughs> is lose at home to Howard as a massive favor you cannot lose games like this you, and the inconsistency you go to Fresno, you lose an eight point game up at Fresno, you lose a seven point game to Texas San Antonio, you lose a four point game to Utah State, a seven point game to San Jose State. And so when I'm looking at what they did last year and the reason why I bring it back to I want my I want the teams in this city, To appear as if they're moving forward That to me Is moving forward
2: And it's baby steps with them Oh no it is But like at the same time though Like Eastern Washington We should have Slapped them out of the water It shouldn't have even been close First of all it's not we And then second of all Eastern Washington was a Slight favorite that's that's so crazy to me that a div two team was a slight favorite. Man. So we just... have
1: this so there's the same situation this year. This year they go to Ohio Idaho State. That is a game or they're at home against Idaho State to start the year. This is a game they cannot lose. These are if you were trying to turn this program around...
2: You have to win this game.
1: Idaho State is a game that you have to win.
2: You absolutely have to win this game. They lose that game. I, I'm i chalking the season up to two and the same exact record from last year. I'm just chalking up to that exactly. And again. then
1: you have to beat North Texas. So going into Utah State, two and one is... That's what you should be. Look, maybe they go to Cal. Maybe they get a win there. Maybe that's a future conference opponent. Hopefully. You've got to
2: get two of the first three. If you can beat Idaho State and North Texas, I'm feeling good about the year. If we lose to Cal, I'm I'm okay with that. You got to beat Utah State from losing by four last year. You got to get the wins you got last year. Beat Nevada, because Nevada doesn't have a quarterback now. You have a you have a year to prove to UNOV students that are going be the ones that fill out your stadium. That, hey, we can win games. We can go to a bowl game. We can give you guys a good show. Instead of just being like, yeah, we're going to lay down on the side of the road and we're going to just hope you guys come and watch our games. Because what it felt like last year.
1: <laughs> going to lay down on the side of the road. <laughs>
2: That's what it felt like. I mean, dude. is it
1: realistic to say I know it's a hockey hour, but isn't it realistic to expect three and three heading into that stretch? Heading into that Air Force Notre Dame stretch.
2: Yeah. Three and three, I can I can be okay with three and three. Yeah. Oh, I, I could ecstatic I would, with three and three. I would be ecstatic with three and three. I would be even more ecstatic if you got me a four and two. If you can beat if you can beat San Jose State, give me four and two. I'm not mad at that. But if they if they lose on the road at San Jose State, that's not a game I'm gonna. Go. Not, I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be upset at that about that. I'm I'm gonna be more upset at losing at home versus North Texas. Those are just games, and I don't
1: can't anticipate what the number is gonna be. But those are games when you turn the corner as a. As a university, as a, as a football program, those are games that you have to say, okay, these are definite wins. Yeah. Y- you can't lose those games anymore. If you continue to lose those early season directional school games, then you are still where you are. There's, yeah. there, you're not moving forward. And oh, by the way, not just win those games, bowl them out,
2: bowl them out, win them handedly them out. Drop 20 on them. Drop 20 on them? Drop 20 on them. That's, so, so that's, all we can, that's all we can expect from so UNLV at this point. Give, Shut them out and give me 20. That's all I want. If you give me a 20-0 game, UNLV wins. I'm not mad at that. I am not mad at that at all. I'm happy against those two teams. I'm not expecting us to go, here's a 50-18 game. No. I'm expecting a 21-28-0 or 28-7 game. Against one of those teams, I'm not expecting us to be uh, like Notre Dame would handle them, because we're gonna get handled. How like, if we don't handle those teams, we're gonna get showed how to handle a team that's not where you are against Notre Dame. We're gonna get showed how to do it. And then on top of that, if we don't win against Nevada this year, if we don't take that cannon back this year, I'm gonna lose my mind. And of course, you could say we because you because I go to the school. Go to school. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying we because I'm going to UNLV. I am tired of losing. Can we get the cannon back, please? I don't I mean, I hate having my friends at UNR text me every so often, "Hey, just a reminder, you don't have the cannon." You and you and our friends? I have UNR friends. Why? Cuz we were friends in high school and they went to UNR, and it sucks. But now they're like, "Oh, UNOV sucks." Ha ha ha. We have the cannon, you don't. Horrible team and stuff like that. They, they clown us for no reason, and they have they have all the they have all. I can't even be mad at it because they're right. Right now we do suck. Right now we don't have the cannon. <laughs> can we win the cannon so I can laugh at them? Please, I want to paint it. I want to paint it back to what the colors are. I don't need twenty on Idaho State. I need
1: thirty five on Ohio Idaho if, State. <laughs> I, I'm not looking for uh, twenty point satisfaction.
2: <laughs> if we and, hey, the, the bar is low. <laughs> the bar is low. Not from an offensive standpoint, it isn't. In my opinion, it is. I, 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 I just, mean, how The defense, I have a higher set of expectations for. Really? The offense, I have little to none. Because we had we banked on Charles Williams the whole year last year. If it wasn't for him, we're not even winning a game. We're not winning a game. Listen, I, I know.
1: I know you're young.
2: We lose the I, I to Hawaii if we don't have Charles I Williams. I mean,
1: I've been watching this team... For almost thirty years, yeah, I can't imma- I can't even begin to tell you the year where I thought they were good defensively, and I certainly can't tell you two years back to back where they were good defensively. This has always been a UNLV issue. Oh yeah, as long as I've been following the program,
2: yeah. I have more expectations though for the defense, the offense, because we lost Charles Williams. That's a huge blow.
1: Maybe the year that. Jamal Brimmer played and went up to Wisconsin, got a big win against the Badgers. Maybe that year. They were they were good defensively. But for the most part, not
2: really. I, I listen.
1: If they hold teams, if they hold teams under 24, it's a success for me.
2: Yeah. I mean, what are we expecting for that Notre Game Notre Dame game? I'm expecting about 50 from Notre Dame.
1: I expect And we'll talk to Pat Engel in a second from blueandgold.com. I expect Notre Dame to take that game and use it as uh, Notre Dame usually takes uh, these types of games. And it's not, uh, they'll work on a bunch of things. Uh, The goal never is to, uh, goal is never to blow people out. Uh, That's never been what Notre Dame has done. That's why it's always so difficult to, to lay big points with Notre Dame if they blow people out and they cover big spreads, it's not because they're trying to embarrass the opposition. It's just never been. And I'm just interested to see what this number is going to be. I'm guessing somewhere in the 28 to 38 range, 28 to 35 range. Mm -hmm. But it sits in a good spot. It's the week after Stanford at home, two weeks after they play BYU here at Allegiant Stadium, and then a week before Syracuse. So there's no... I I don't know. There, there's no game before and there's no game after that I'd worry about. Uh, that should be a stretch there in the middle of October where Notre Dame absolutely decimates Stanford, UNLV, and Syracuse. And I know Syracuse is going to be up for that one because th- that's a tough place to play mm-hmm. in the Carrier Dome. Yeah. Uh, I have been there for basketball and football games, and it is no joke. Uh, that is the week before Clemson comes to town on November fifth
2: so but hey man you know if he's gonna lose that game that's a bad well, that that's is, a that's a guaranteed that loss is
1: really super going out on
2: a limb i hope i hope that if they end up going like what we can expect i'm saying three and three by, by 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 the sixth game do you say maybe you win hawaii you win nevada you end out your season on two wins I think it's fair to say so about five. I
1: think it's fair for me to sit comfortably in that four to five range. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to a bowl this year. Uh, I need to see what they have at quarterback. There's a lot of questions there for sure. I need to see how uh, the running game is. The um, uh, secondary is always an issue. We'll, we'll see. I just and again, I just I want to see him moving forward. I, I'm not asking for miracles. I'm not asking. Uh, for you know new year's day bowl games i just want to see the progression in, in a time where there really is no excuses anymore you're recruiting Allegiant stadium i i remember this you asked me asked earlier why why is it that unlv hasn't been good at football mm-hmm. well it's not just a recent thing it goes back a long time and i remember uh working at unlv we would go out to the football stadium once in a while, too. And of course, the old, you know, Sam Boyd. Yeah. We would go out there and just kind of, I don't know, be there so we could tell people about it and this and that. Um, but I remember walking out there in the middle of summertime and looking at the stadium and thinking, wow, pink scoreboard. And this was before all the uh, upgrades mm-hmm. which made you know terrific field at that point stadium still what it what it was but i remember thinking and, and this was back when they played on t- on turf back to when john denton was uh, uh the quarterback there a friend of the show and they would literally roll up the turf uh, onto a uh, onto a roller and underneath the turf was cement that was it I don't know how you recruit that. And oh, by the way, your stadium's nowhere near campus. I don't know how you recruit that.
2: You don't. You don't. But now... You have Allegiant. There is no excuses. So and rough.
1: even besides Allegiant...
2: That facility I, is been, so beautiful.
1: The The Notre Dame practice facilities are fantastic. In comparison, you know, just talking about Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. But UNLV's practice fields are as good... The facility upgrade has been a has been terrific for for UNLV. Obviously, playing at Allegiant Stadium has to be some sort of a upgrade in recruiting. Like there is no excuses anymore. There's no reason. Like I could I could sit there and say, yeah, I, I could see how recruits wouldn't want to land on cement. I can see that. But I but there is nothing anymore. And so it is not out of the question. To say, I expect UNLV football, just like I do for basketball, just like I do for hockey, I expect them to, to have a forward. good,
2: a good moving forward season. Like, I want, like, they could legitimately and that doesn't go 4-0. No. They can go 4-0 oh at the beginning of the year. They could. They could beat Cal. They oh. could beat North Texas. They could beat Idaho State. They could beat Utah State. If that happens, we're happy. That's what I'm saying. If you go 4-0, oh, I'm ecstatic for the rest of the year. Then you got to give me Hawaii and Nevada, too. That's the only other two that I would ask for the rest of the year. The rest of them, I don't care. Personally, I wouldn't care the rest of the games that year. Just I'd Just give me four, no, and then give me the last two games of the year, and I'll win them. And then I'm cool with you losing the rest of them.
1: Just real quick, before we uh, go to break, uh, the Golden Knights have announced their developmental uh, development camp schedule starting Monday at CNA. The camp is going to run July 11th through the 16th. 16th. It will be the first camp in three years. So it's good to see that Thursday's scrimmage starts at three 15 uh, Fridays at 10 a.m. And then another scrimmage at Saturday at 10:15. Also the preseason schedule is starting to trickle out. It looks like five games have been confirmed. They'll start on September 25th with a date uh, with the Colorado avalanche on the road at ball arena. And then they'll come back to face the Kings a night, a night later. Uh, they will also let me just look at this. So we can play three more games at home, and then conclude that uh, with a trip to Salt Lake City uh, to take on uh, the Kings as well. So you got the Kings, Colorado, and Kings, Colorado, in Arizona coming into town, and that's after a trip uh, to Colorado to, to start the preseason schedule. So that all that is starting to come out, and that's exciting because that just means we're closer to the hockey season. And I don't know after watching the Stanley Cup final and, and this. You have to give so much credit to what Tampa Bay did and what Chicago had done in the past, going so deep into the postseason and all of a sudden being able to turn it right around, having the least amount of time to turn it around before the next season starts. You have to give these organizations so much credit. And for the Golden Knights, obviously we know what we expect for them. Is this playoff or bust? And not only playoff or bust, going could be in the top top echelon upper echelon of the Western Conference so uh, that's what we expect from them that's what we expect from UNLV football we're going to take a break when we come back Patrick Engel from Blue and Gold Illustrated will join us and talk about the future of Notre Dame
4: Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar & Grill, 4955 South Dakota. Experience the thrill of the grill. John Smith Subs is home of the famous Steak Bomb and other premium
3: deli subs with grilled-to-order marinated sirloin steak, grilled chicken, farm-fresh veggies, and delicious bread baked daily. Our subs are making a name for themselves with quality and flavor. Add an order of piping hot french fries, and you have a meal you can't get anyplace else. Experience the thrill of the grill at John Smith Subs. Visit johnsmithsubs.com to find a location near you.
1: Hey Golden Knights fans, I'm attorney Adam Kuttner. I'm proud to be an official partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're giving you the chance to play at home along with the Golden Knights to win home game tickets through our Power Play giveaway. Each time the Golden Knights are on a Power Play, we'll pick one of my Twitter followers who tags me on Twitter with the hashtag #AdamCutnerPowerPlay,
3: And when the Golden Knights score, that lucky fan wins tickets to the Fortress.
1: So make sure to follow me on Twitter Go, Knights, go. Calling all Vegas
3: Golden Knights superfans for
1: the Terribles Game Day Giveaway.
3: During all of Vegas Golden Knights' home games, visit any participating Terribles location, make a qualifying purchase, get a scratch card, enter on the Terribles app, and you could win a $1,000 Golden Knights shopping spree. Best yet, one lucky customer will win this prize every day the Vegas Golden Knights have a
4: home game. Terribles Game Day Giveaway. It's only... Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar & Grill, 4955 South Decatur. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you
3: need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at any station, casino, or wildfire. Complete details available at all
2: sportsbooks.
1: All right, welcome back to Vegas Hockey Hotline. That's Chris DeMoose Johnson. Completely his musical choice. I, I feel like this is uh, Michael Bublé is gonna rip out a Christmas tune <laughs> out of this start at any point.
2: Oh man, no! This is this is Rex Orange County. The song name is amazing.
1: I, I feel like Christmas album coming. This is. I mean, I artists. can hear this with snow coming down and scarf around his neck.
2: Oh, this is such a good album. It's one of my favorite albums of this year.
1: I just wait until it... Is it going to kick in, or is this... Is no, this, this, is, what, this is what it is This right is here. what it's going to be.
2: Yeah, this is what it is right here. So no guitars? Nope.
1: That's Christmas Moose Johnson. I'm Dana Lane. Thanks for joining us. Uh, quick baseball update on Vegas Hockey Hotline, which is all over the place today. Uh, Detroit top of the fifth. Two to one lead over uh, the uh, Guardians. Two outs in the top of the fifth. Uh, Cleveland up the bat, so Indians can't seem to find a way to beat Detroit, and it looks that looks like they're going down again today. Uh, of course, we did our Big Ten preview today with Mark Lawrence, and I thought it'd be a good day. Uh, it's always a good day for me to talk Notre Dame athletics with Patrick Engel from blueandgold.com. and. Uh, Pat, uh, Notre Dame and Vegas, is gonna they're going to be partners a few times this year. And we're going to see the Rebels go to South Bend uh, to play the Irish on October 22nd. And then Notre Dame will face BYU at Allegiant Stadium in the Shamrock Series. And, and Pat, we welcome you to the show. And my first question is, in 2025, which conference is the Irish playing in, if any?
5: Yeah, that's kind of a million-dollar question that literally everybody around the country wants to know or in every conference office. It kind of seems like, you know, everybody's staring at Notre Dame or wanting to poke them with a stick, like, do something. Like, come on. But Notre Dame's going to be content to wait. But if you made me predict that far out of where it is, I think it's either going to still be independent at that point, if only because things haven't completely exploded yet or – uh, you know the for whatever reason if it took that long the, the playoff format isn't uh, clear. it's either going to be independent or will have signed up to go to the Big Ten because the upside and the financial windfall that the big Ten's New deal could give them with USC, the national schedule it could give them, and kind of how that redefined what it means to join the conference will outweigh a hundred years of identity and and culture of what independence is so, if you maybe put a put a guess on it. I think by twenty twenty five they'll have a, a pretty firm answer on is independence gonna be sustainable going forward in this, you know, who knows what it looks like in the next ten years? Or and how much more enticing compared to that is what conference membership can offer you. And I think it's going to be at some point pretty hard to say no to that conference membership.
1: But it's pretty interesting, isn't it, Pat? I mean, uh, from a basketball standpoint, they've been part of the ACC for quite a while now. From a hockey standpoint, they play a Big Ten schedule uh, in hockey uh, In in baseball is the ACC. I mean, Notre Dame does what Notre Dame wants to do, and not a second before anybody wants them to do it. And at this point in football, I'm pretty sure recruiting from what I can see has not taken a hit. Uh, there's no reason for them to run to another conference.
5: No, not at all. And I actually wrote exactly the same thing yesterday And that it has a lot of leverage here in knowing that it's kind of the one big needle mover out there left. I guess you could put throw some ACC schools into that too, but that's, you know, they're tied into a massive grant of rights through 2036 that would take a lot of money to, to buy out of, and maybe that's not feasible right now as we sit here on July 6th of 22, but knock off a couple more years of that and, and we'll see. But it knows the position it has of being this big and needle mover, being this wanted, and knowing that like it can get in where it wants probably when it wants. I don't think it'd be too particularly difficult for the Big Ten in drafting up its new media rights deal, which I imagine will be done pretty shortly, to have a clause of if Notre Dame joins and expands, We can renegotiate and and get some bigger terms on this. And Notre Dame knows that and knows it has kind of the luxury to play the long game, wait it out, and Mm -hmm. see if the things that make independence feasible for it and what it bases it on are still intact six months from now, a year from now, two years from now. And that really is like what does the ACC look like in, in a couple of years and, and what's the future of that thing looking like? What can it get in its next media deal that comes up after 2025? What's the upside there compared to what conference membership would offer it? And then what's the playoff look like? That's really the big thing of, you know, if it's anything like an expanded field that last year's proposal was going to be, and that was going to pass until the SEC uh, expansion kind of tabled that, uh, if that's still an accessible path and those things make independence all still feasible, then, you know, it becomes a course that it can set. But if one of those gets altered and combined with just a financial upside and the need for that much more of a ability to be financially competitive, then, yeah, you know, that's I think that's ultimately what would push them into a conference is one of those three things I mentioned changing and just the fact that the financial gap and the opportunity cost of being independent just becomes too much for them to pass up.
1: And how much when you when you talk about the loose relationship with the ACC in football? I mean, did Notre Dame feel like they've they've gotten out of that what they wanted? Uh, certainly, the ACC thought, "Hey, look, you you come live in our house for a while. You might like it and stay." I just I don't think Notre Dame's ready to make that plunge yet. But are they happy with that loose relationship?
5: Yes, and no. I don't think they'd be ready to make that plunge into the ACC either, or really, probably it all i mean considering that that thing seems to be held together right now by that long grant of rights deal and that if it was say come up in 2026 I mean, you might have seen some defections by now but in terms of what they wanted to get out of it which was maybe a more stable long-term home for their non-football sports than what the big east was going to be or wasn't really clear what that was going to be when that split and getting some you know, five average of five games a year with some teams that had some history with and like-minded schools uh, on the football schedule per year. That was you know ab- absolutely a, a win there. And just being able to partner with institutions that it sees itself kind of uh, similar to. So absolutely, that's worked. And certainly we saw the, the benefit of that in, in 2020 when it was able to just kind of find a home pretty naturally. Not that anybody thinks of you know, a COVID season happening when you're drawing these things up, but in terms of what they wanted to do when they struck that thing about 10 years ago. Yeah, I think it's paid off pretty well for him and for the have,
1: ACC. Have you had a chance to dive into that, uh, speaking of loose partnerships, the ACC Pac-12, who uh, allegedly has discussed a partnership that would include potentially a championship game in Las Vegas, uh, which uh, at some point might affect the Irish if they choose to go in that route. Have you had a chance to get into that a little bit and understand why it's just a loose partnership?
5: Yeah, it sounds to me like that's just, you know, Alliance part two, electric (laughs) boogaloo. And I'm not really sure what that really adds as far as, uh, you know, what making that kind of thing more appealing for Notre Dame. It's really going to come down to is is the three kind of pillars of its independence still feasible and liking the and wanting to just cash in on the financial upside of what the big time partnership or big time membership, I should say would give you, and even if joining the ACC full-time, even after it's set a, a record for revenue distribution in the most recent uh, fiscal year data available, it's still not going to come close to what the Big Ten would be able to give it with Notre Dame and with the California school now and with, you know, whatever else they might decide to do. And how the Big the Big Ten adding these the, to California schools kind of changes what it means to, like, join a conference, and that, was, that had always been, like, you're kind of assigning yourself to a region and putting your schedule regionally. Notre Dame's taking such pride in its national schedule. Well, now the Big Ten gives you a chance to play a schedule coast-to-coast. And, you know, again, maybe that expands if they expand further. None of the other conferences really can say that. And I think that's something that they're going to continue to want to uh, try to get it as much as they can, uh, considering the national nature of the stand base.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. So when you're talking about UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten, how much of that in the back of the Big Ten's mind was, hey, this might make us even more attractive for Notre Dame?
5: Yeah, I, I would imagine that that wasn't, say, the the biggest driver of it. I mean, but what somewhere that really back does, right? Yeah, I, I'm sure they kind of thought of it as like, hey, if this helps, and theoretically it does, because it presents a national schedule, and we are the first national conference yeah, that aligns closer with part of the reasons Notre Dame values independence and what independence allows it to do. So yeah, absolutely. I think like, you know, they probably understood with that, with their partners or their ability to maybe entice Notre Dame at some point And, you know, with the feeling of like, you know, it really feels like that move kind of broke the dam a little bit, right? And made everybody realize this is a power too. And, you know, wanting everybody to, you know, get a little bit of more urgency of trying to get on or before it's too late, hoping Notre Dame would be kicked into that, even if it's not right away, which right now it doesn't really appear that that's something that's anything anything imminent at all. But, yeah, I I imagine that that was kind of a thing of, yeah, as they were thinking about this, that came up, yeah, yeah, that would probably help. But ultimately, I'm sure the main goal was let's do this, let's sign a giant rights deal and really become this kind of immovable force. It's, you know, whatever the future holds for college athletics.
1: And where where college football is right now, the one thing that I worry about is I worry that we are going down a road of unethical recruitment, which it, college football is no stranger to. But I think we've come out come with a way in the NIL deals that allow uh, you know basically this this recruitment of players based upon money. And I think when you're using money or opportunities to to recruit players. I think that really puts a lot of schools in a tough position, including Notre Dame, who, you know, balances ethics uh, as as a in addition to trying to win on the field.
5: Yeah, and I think so far, you know, they feel pretty good about their ability to sustain the recruiting success they've had in this era that, you know, we, we think has come without really getting in the weeds of seven figure deals to recruits or, or things like that. And while at the same time, still being able to point to enough examples of this is what you can do and have available to you as far as NIL opportunities. Once you get on campus showing the Kyle Hamilton examples of how he was able to creatively use that their collective right now is kind of a thing that partners uh exist, the current players on, on rosters with char- like charities and, and basically pays them for charitable work and kind of pairs them with a charity that they determine and together is something of interest or maybe you have a personal connection to a player. So it's had a really unique approach in NIL that, you know, isn't making the headlines of, you know, this collective and this, you know, five-star recruit struck a deal for however many million dollars it might be. Or, you know, obviously there's, no, uh, there's not going to be Marcus Freeman versus whoever You know, spats like Nick Saban against uh, Jimbo Fisher there. But it it, it is kind of the question some fans are asked. Yes, great content for May in college football and the doldrums (laughs) of that. Uh, But I I think that they feel pretty good just based on conversations I've had and stories I've written about their ability to sustain their current number one class in 2024 number one class. And maybe it it probably won't finish number one, but as far as quality of players they've gotten and still probably looking top five-ish. Uh, classes, ability to sustain that without getting into the weeds. We'll see. I think it's still kind of the thing that fans are going to just kind of be, uh, what if, you know, always worried a little bit about, at least right now in this kind of first year of it. But yeah, I, I think they're very, very confident in how they've sold Notre Dame and what it has to offer and how uh, Marcus Freeman and staff have done it and the strides they've been able to make in NIL that, you know, don't catch a lot of the ire or the headlines or whatever it might be.
1: Yeah, the, the only thing more entertaining than. Saban and Fisher going back and forth Is Brian Kelly find, finding a Southern accent all of a sudden on his way down to Baton Rouge. But And that made me wonder, too, as I looked at that deal with LSU. I, and, and again, right now, everybody's kind of dipping their toes in the NIL. And I think everybody's kind of staying in their own backyard. But you know as well as I, this is going to get down the road unless there was some sort of governing body or some sort of rules. Right now, there's no rules for this. I just don't understand how Notre Dame is going to be able to compete with, I don't know, let's throw it out there, LSU, where winning is not secondary to education.
5: Yeah, again, like I I mentioned, I think that's kind of the thing that, you know, fans are always going to be wondering a little bit, say, for the next year or two. And, like, is this current class that is currently ranked number one and would be pretty surprising if it finishes outside of the top five? Is it something they can sustain year year in and year out, uh, while staying true to its mission? And again, I, I think that you know if you if you ask and, and the, you know, the folks involved in this and Brady Quinn, who's I actually asked him this last month, like who's run to the collective and founded the collective that does the partnering and paying for athletes for charitable charitable work, mentioned like uh, he, his response was why would it change? And I, I think there's a I think that what they've been able to really do and maybe the thing that makes it you know, easier for some fans to believe in the sustainability is I think it's been pretty clear that just in just such a short time, Marcus Freeman has been really, really effective in what he's selling, how he communicates it and how it resonates with players who either maybe had some kind of predisposition or predisposed, you know, liking for Notre Dame and, and confirming that or players who were a fit that maybe didn't realize it. And I think the latter there. Is, is really what you've seen be effective in the last seven months and even before you know, the last 18 months or so since he got hired as defensive coordinator. is his ability to be really, really effective in selling and having that pitch resonate with players who maybe wouldn't have seen themselves as a Notre Dame fit but then are able to, you know, understand that, yeah, this place might fit them and are willing to, to jump aboard.
1: And speaking of Marcus Freeman, from a recruiting standpoint, it seems like every single day on social media, I'm seeing Notre Dame landing another, you know, top 100 recruit. I think they have six now. But this recruiting class has been fantastic, which should really lead them down the road.
5: Yeah, 100%. And this one that signed in December, I think, was you know a, a pretty good kind of hint at maybe what Freeman could be in this now role as a, you know, a head coach recruiting both sides of the ball. And then when you look at that 22 class, as far as what it contained on defense and some of the guys, he was able to, to land there. And I think you've seen that play out uh, in 23. And then early on in 2024, where they got TJ Carr, the quarterback uh, Michigan legacy, whose uh, grandfather Lloyd Carr was the former uh, Michigan head coach made the heart highest warm ranked offensive, <laughs> highest ranked offensive uh, player to commit to them in nearly a decade. So I think you've seen Freeman be able to kind of effectively you know, do what he was able to do on defense in the 22 cycle on both sides in, in 23 and 24 and really seemingly have that same kind of message and effectiveness of of selling kind of you know, trickle down through the entire staff.
1: And besides Marcus Freeman's 0-1 record so far, I mean, there's really not too much to dislike about him. But I I, happen, I wondered, and I brought this up before on the show, that – no, I don't want this to turn in, and it seemed like, it seemed like um, I, I know the public decided for Jack Swarbrick, uh, Swarbrick, who they wanted to be the next head coach, and I, I, I don't want this to. I really liked Ty Willingham a lot back in the day, but obviously he was a little bit overwhelmed there at Notre Dame, and you know, and it speaks to a coach coming in with some sort of head coaching experience. What would have been the reaction considering? the outpour and the support for Marcus Freeman, what would have been the reaction in South Bend if he didn't get hired?
5: I think it would have been initially maybe a little uncertainty just based on that. They would have had to take some time or maybe they waited to try to get Luke fickle. And that would have taken him, you know, from when Kelly left a a month because they were obviously playing in the playoff. And, and I think that hire would have been, you know, encouraging for the fan base. But I think what the fans realized pretty quickly, and maybe even Swarbrick himself, and certainly I think this has been the popular school of thought among us, uh, beat reporters, is that, sure, it's absolutely a risk to hire him for a lot of the reasons you just mentioned. Even now, there's you know nothing he can really do between January and August to prove he's not overwhelmed or prove he's really good at in-game adjustments because I mean, we don't have games in that time. But even with all those risks, I think it was an understanding among all those parties that it's it would have been a bigger risk not to. Like, sure, this agreed could yes. go sideways, and yeah, yeah. It, that's I think it's really it. Like, it, it could go sideways because he's not up to the task as a head coach and everything that requires. But I think it would be pretty equally tough to swallow. Where if in three years you looked up and Freeman was doing a great job at you know Duke or something and setting himself up to get comparable jobs in Notre Dame and Notre Dame was still kind of in the good but not at the summit kind of space that it was so I think people bought into maybe the Freeman's ability to get him to that last few steps and raise that ceiling which I think he has shown some or backed up some of the least that he can do that as far as the recruiting results go I think people were willing to take that plunge at the expense of like Hey, it's the first time I coach, and there's a lot we don't know right
1: now. And as far as Brian Kelly is concerned, I mean I was at the Stanford game, and I, I, he walked in and out of the tunnel, you know, before the game and after the game. And I, I told my wife, I said, that's, a, "That's, it's something strange there." I mean, it wasn't one of those, "Hey, we're just running off after a win," or you know, he was taking his time, and he looked like he was soaking it all in. Is there are we not giving Brian Kelly the proper credit that we should be at this point? for what he did at Notre Dame? I don't
5: know know if I'd say that. I mean, maybe it's clouded in a little bit of the jadedness. For sure it is. From a a fan standpoint, I can certainly understand. But maybe in a way what Freeman's first seven, eight months, uh, eight months on the job have kind of shown is that even after going 54 and nine and all this great success that all but what, four or five teams and the FBS would sign up for mm-hmm. in that span. It almost kind of, and maybe you don't really realize this until something new comes in there. And in hindsight, almost kind of confirmed like that. It just wasn't going to get those next few steps. Like they had reached the ceiling in recruiting. They, you know, hit the max. They could in the playoff once they got there, like it's almost weird to think like that kind of five-year run can make you more sure, or more willing to believe those things but in a way it kind of did especially in the hindsight of freeman kind of getting rid of the idea that there's a ceiling of what recruiting can be at notre dame and how selling it can go and leaning into some of the things that might be perceived as challenges instead of you know kind of operating in in spite of them but i think in time as the exit you know goes in further in the rearview mirror and you know especially if this doesn't really go the way that freeman or any one in the building or any fans want it to go it'll be more of a you know appreciation just for the steadiness of uh, of what brian kelly was able to provide there just because you know we see so many examples at other massive blue blood comparable programs of even just steadiness is, is hard to achieve and ufc for as much as they've been in the news lately and as much of a coveted conference properties they are certainly an example of that
1: well as far as marcus freeman is concerned he to me was the perfect personality to overshadow all the disdain that that the fans had for Brian Kelly and the way that they left Notre Dame. And he's a, you know, you watch him over the, the last couple of months, especially on social media and his initial reaction by his play or the initial reaction by his players when he was hired. It's really hard not to root for him. He's so likable. He looks like he's got a fantastic family. And I, I guess the only problem I have now, Patrick, and I'll let you go, but If he finds success there, man, it's going to take a lot of money to keep him there. So that's the only thing I guess I worry about. I mean, he really is putting himself in a position to be uh, financially successful, not just from a – you know, financially successful in addition to wins and losses. Uh, I appreciate you coming on, Patrick. You're always fantastic. Uh, Tell everybody where they can find your work.
5: Yeah, you can find us at uh, blueandgold.com, uh, and I we're part of the On3 Sports Network. A lot of uh, realignment, and, uh, content, and, and discussions going on right now, even as it seems like Notre Dame is going to be uh, very willing to kind of stand pat and let this play out.
1: Yeah, probably the next time we talk, Notre Dame will be in the Pac-12. By the way, this thing is going. So
5: <laughs> Thank- how unpredictable this is. Putting nothing <laughs> past them.
1: We appreciate you coming on, and we'll definitely talk down the road.
5: You got it, Dana. Thank you.
1: All right, there he goes. Uh <laughs> That's, that would be that wouldn't be out of the question for sure. I mean that is something Pack
2: twelve Notre Dame would be crazy. I mean, I'm just kidding, <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Okay. Never gonna
1: happen. Thanks to uh, thanks thank you to Patrick Engel from blueandgold.com. We also want to thank Mark Lawrence from playbooksports.com and Robbie Stanley was going to join us, but he'll join us at another time. He had a meeting, so we apologize uh, if we had promoted that. And we appreciate you joining us. And for Chris Johnson, I'm Dana Lane. Thanks for joining us. Have a terrific afternoon. We'll talk tomorrow.
0: Goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old. The good old hockey game. Second period. Where players dance with skates a flash, the home team trails behind. But they grab the puck and go bursting up and they're down across the line. They storm the crease like bumblebees, they travel like a burning flame. We see them slide the puck inside, it's a one-one hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game. Best game you can name And the best game you can name Is the good old hockey game Take me where Hockey players face off Down the rink And the Stanley Cup is all filled up For the champs who win the drink Now the final flick of the hockey Stick and the one gigantic scream The buck is in The Canadians win the good old Hockey game